Luke 21, verses 20 through 28. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Grass withers and the flower fades and the word of our God stands forever. What well do we draw from or do you draw from in the difficulties of your life. When, when things are going wrong, when you're at the end of a hard day and maybe there's been a big fight in your family or maybe you've made personally some huge mistake, maybe there's been a devastating diagnosis or just some sort of tragedy has struck your family or, or maybe it's not been nothing that cataclysmic, there also is a sort of just malaise of you've done one more revolution around and it's just kind of another day. And you, you get to the end of the day and you, you begin to wonder, what, what is the point of all of this? Something, just another revolution. Nothing in specific has happened, but just that's the problem. It's just been another day. We, we, we all run across these different problems that happen in our, in our life, these different difficulties that we wrestle with. And what do you well, what well do you drink from? What, what, what are you looking for to draw from to help you in those moments? Where, what do we do? Do so that we're not overwhelmed by the difficulty and the disappointment of life. Well, one answer is to try to look deeper in yourself. And you'll find lots of books out there that you can read that are going to spend a lot of time helping you try to discern who you are. And they'll encourage you to go sit in a room somewhere quietly in a comfy couch, don't not to fall asleep, but to think and to look deeper and deeper and deeper within yourself as though. And that is the place where you'll find the answer is, is deeper within yourself. Somehow, if you build up that, that true essence of who you are and, and discover this internal glorious you, that then life will, will change and have any effect. You develop maybe then a personal action plan or you go over some positive affirmations and you're searching and searching and, and, and end up finding that there is no real true peace internally because you're still just you in the life that you're in. There's the, that's an answer that's provided out there. Uh, and you, you're welcome. I, I don't encourage you to pursue that path, but people do. That's one answer, looking deep with inside of yourself. One other answer is to try to 
think on powerful platitudes. Um, Friends of mine went to a, a Kenny Chesney concert this past week, and we were talking about him. And uh, I, I, so I, I thought, I don't really know any Kenny Chesney songs. And I, and I thought, I'd like to be educated, like, on what's out there. So I got my Spotify out and listened to some Kenny Chesney. And um, I'm, glad they, I'm glad they like him. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but one of the songs, it was, anyway. Uh, but one of the songs was titled, um, I, I didn't, Everything's Gonna Be Alright. It's a very popular song. It's one of the top five of the Spotify playlists. And so the narrative of this song is a person is down on their luck. Life is not going well. And they go up to the bar and, and they're, they're filling their, their drink up. And, and it's kind of giving their woes to the bartender. And, and she turns and she points to the sign over her shoulder which says, Everything's Gonna Be Alright. That's, and that's the, he sits down, everything's going to be all right. And the guy replies, that's for sure. That's, that's for sure. And, and that, how he's, that's that going on. There's no need in the song to hit the panic button. There's nothing, that, that there's nobody's got anything. Nobody's got to worry about nothing. That's the line of the song. Nobody's got to worry about nothing. Everything's going to be all right. Just throw it out there. This is, not a, this is not a mark against Kenny Chesney. I'm just saying this song. The song struck me as like, well, it's fine to say those things, but what's underneath that? What really, I mean, okay, everything's going to be all right. Says who is my question. Says who? Because let me, and, and honestly, sometimes some of you have been through some things. You think everything ain't going to be all right. Some things have happened in my life personally that I think nothing's ever going to be the same again. You know, when, you, when, when someone dies, when a diagnosis comes along, when things like this happen and you lose someone that you love, when something tragic happens in your life, your life changes, throwing out, hey, everything is going to be all right. It's kind of like, who are you? That doesn't help me. That doesn't help. It's a platitude. But how do they know? What if everything isn't going to be all right? What if the things aren't going to turn out the way that we want them to? What do we do when it's clear everything isn't going to be all right? Well, keep saying it. We can keep pointing to the sign. Again, I'm not trying to hate on Kenny Chesney too much. <laughs> Just the song. You can keep pointing to the sign. But what is, it? What is, it? What is how is that really going to help? Simple slogans may give temporary relief, but... But if we, if we just go on into, if we permit ourselves just to deny reality, that may work. But they will not hold through intense moments of despair unless just denial is your goal. So then what do we turn? Sitting in this place this morning, where do we as Christians, where do we turn to? Do we have an answer? And I think we do. I think we do have a place to turn. I think we do have an answer. The answer, the hope, is not found by looking deeper within ourselves or clinging to empty phrases but look from looking out to who Christ is. Not looking in, not trying to find simple platitudes, but to look to Christ. Who is this God? What has he done? And what is he promising yet to do? That is where we are to look. Not deeper within ourselves to discover some true, natural, beautiful essence within. Not to some sort of just some sort of empty phrase that has no real authority. To look out to the one who started it all who's involved in it all, who works redemption, and has promised yet to work all things together and to finish what he has started. The goal, the, the, the hope the Christian puts out is that we do have somewhere to look. We do have somewhere to look. So our passage this morning is, is going down that line. 
It's going down this way. Jesus is giving words to his disciples to anchor them in the midst of all the difficulties that are coming their way. He's trying to anchor them into all of these, into some sort of truth in the midst of other difficulties that they're going to face in their future. There are many ways to work through a passage like this. And if you're an end time sort of eschatology sort of minded person, we could dig and dig and dig into all the details and talk about all the views. We mentioned it last week, all the ways you can think about these verses and try to dig apart, dig apart what's going to happen next and all of these things. It's a treasure trove for end times um, activity. But, and on the one hand, that's understandable because it is talking about the future. But we want to look at, I'm trying to get us at Jesus is talking about these future events, but what is, what is the hope he's trying to put in into the disciples in light of what's going to happen? So if you look at your passage, the verses 20 through 24 are speaking about this coming destruction of Jerusalem. This, this I believe, has happened. We know Jerusalem, actually, we know it's been destroyed. A.D. 70, the temple was torn down. Starting in 76, Rome came, surrounded Jerusalem, just as Jesus predicted, built up ramparts, and actually these events of those people fleeing out to the mountains, the Christians did this at this time, that when Rome was getting sacked, they escaped and tried to get out, getting out of, this, out of Jerusalem just as Jesus predicted, and Jerusalem did fall. The temple was raised. It was, it was tore down just as Jesus said. So verses 20 through 24 have been fulfilled. This is a prophecy from Jesus 40 years before it happened that he accurately predicts. There are ways to read this that say there's another yet future tearing down of Jerusalem. So we, but I'm not going to get into that with you, okay? So, but what we do know is that there are, this, are these events going on. And this one, verses 20 to 24, there is a very clear um, fulfillment of that prophecy. But then verses 25 through 28 speak of, in, in my reading, of a yet future event coming on. There'll be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, the earth, the distress of the nations, and perplexity, the roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting with fear, uh, for the, with fear and foreboding of what's coming on the world. Powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Well, there's something about that that tells me I don't think that's happened yet. There's, so Jesus has said, here's, here's near, remember I talked about prophecy, it's like with, with bifocals, you're looking at the same thing and one of them seems clo- one of them's closer and, and one's yet farther away. It's the same lens, same picture, but there's, there's two different things going on. And this, this Jerusalem has been destroyed, but yet there's some yet future trouble coming for the disciples. So these events in 25 through 28, I say, have not yet occurred. Again, there's a way to read this that says, if you're a full preterist, that would say all of this has already happened. I just told you way more than you cared to know. But, but there's ways of reading these things. But my goal is not to get into all of those details. If you want to talk about it, honestly, seriously, no one has yet. Come ask me. I, I'd love to sit back in the office and, and go over these things yet. But, but, but the first big reality that comes to us from this text is that a day is coming when Christ, the Son of Man, will return. 
where we confessed it in the, in the Nicene Creed this morning, this reality of the day that he is going to return, that Christ is not wrapped up his involvement here on this earth in a very real, physical way. Christ was a real man. He really died. He really resurrected. He ate fish. He had breakfast. He, they could touch him. He was a real human. He was a real person in body, really dealing with this natural world. He ascended into heaven and then is promised to us that a day is coming when he will yet return. That is the first big idea. Christ is going to return. The time of this prophecy, he's yet to do all of the going to the cross and resurrecting, but he's letting them know that in this future time, there'll be a day when the Son of Man, riding on the clouds and in great glory, will then Return. So that brings us to our big idea for this morning, which is simply that the day of redemption is coming for the redeemed. Our big idea is that the day of redemption is coming for the redeemed. And what fascinates me with this text, okay, is, is the contrast that we see in, in, at these last few verses here. Look at this contrast in verse 26. People are fainting with fear and with foreboding of what's coming upon the world. There's a dark cloud of terror going on. A big idea of the day of redemption is coming for the redeemed. But there's people fainting with fear and there's foreboding of what is coming upon the world. There's days of terror that are ahead. So this is, this is awful events, terrifying, fear and foreboding going on in the world. And yet in verse 28 we see that there's this command that they ought to straighten up, lift up their heads, and, and, and there's to, to take courage is that, is that identity there. It's to lift your head up. It's to, it's, to, it's to take courage. The whole world is fainting with fear, and Jesus is saying, lift up your heads and take courage. Do you see the contrast there? How? In the, how? Everyone's fainting. Everything's going wrong. The world is falling apart. Raise up your heads, lift up your heads, take courage, straighten up. It's a call to hope, to confidence, to peace, and to security. Those who are Christ's are not to hang their heads or hide with fear as the rest of the world does when difficulty comes. Difficulty is coming to them and he is saying, raise up, straighten up, raise your heads. How in the world are we to do that? I mean, just put that in a natural, just, just say, let's, let's just purely natural say, okay, everything in your life is falling apart. Take courage, raise up your head. That's just an empty platitude, isn't it? Just, just do it. Just strengthen yourself up, you know, get in the mirror and tell yourself you can do this, whatever you got to do. Everything's falling apart. Lift up your heads. Be strengthened. Based on what? That's my question. How? That's always my question. How am I going to, okay, things are falling apart. I don't have it within me. Do you not see how bad things are going? How am I supposed to strengthen myself? How am I supposed to raise my head up? Well, look how he ends it. Jesus gives the foundation of this taking courage in the midst of everything going wrong. Last of verse 28, because your redemption is drawing near. It isn't an empty platitude. He doesn't say just do it. He's saying, you can do this because of this reality. Your redemption is drawing near. 
How are those who are Christ able to, in the midst of fear and foreboding and everything going wrong, able to strengthen themselves and lift up their heads and take courage? By remembering that there is a coming, a yet coming day of redemption. The day of redemption is coming for the redeemed. Now, I want us to think a little bit, do a little bit of work with me here on this idea of redemption. Redemption plays a big role in the Christian faith. Well, what is this idea of redemption? What does Jesus mean by our redemption is drawing near? Because we do, we sing songs, we are redeemed. We, we are the redeemed. We in Christ, you have redemption. That Christ has purchased your redemption. So we talk about Redemption, which just means to, to purchase back or to secure or to ideas of, of those things, that to buy back, to secure, to, to keep safe. Yeah, there's this, this purchase, this redeeming. How, how can this redeeming that we have be something that is coming? How can this redemption that we have be something that is coming? Isn't our redemption already purchased at the cross? Sorry, that was a question. Isn't our redemption already purchased at the cross? Yes. Okay. The answer to that is yes, class. Yes. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the debt that you owe, the wrath that was coming against you because of your sinfulness is laid upon Jesus Christ on the cross such that everyone in this room confessing themselves as a sinner, acknowledging they've transgressed against God, can look to Christ on his cross, repenting of their sin, trusting in him, and be forgiven, be redeemed, be brought back, be secured, be brought back into the family of God, set right with God. Your redemption, Christian, is at the cross. But then how can redemption be future? You see that, wait a second, is my redemption now or is it then? Is my redemption now or is it, is it then? And the answer is that it's, it's both. It's both. The answer is both, and both are very important for our joy and peace. And let me just prove it to you. Look, don't take my word for it. Never. Please take my word for it. Never. I'm not trustworthy enough. Let's look at it in the Bible. Let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24. This is page 1118 in your pew Bible. I want you to see it for yourself. If you got, just grab it. You're not doing anything else that's in the pew. Grab out your pew Bible. Open up page 1118. Romans chapter 3. Page 1118, verse 24. This whole great section. This, I said this morning, we're reading Romans. Paul dives into the darkness of the sinfulness of man. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All sit under the wrath of God. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. This is verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, all are the same. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's a past tense reality. It's a, it's a reality for those who have placed faith in Christ. Their justification is there through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is a present reality. If you're under the wrath of God, if you've been walking opposed to God, there is a redemption that can be yours today. There is a redemption that can be yours, received by faith through Jesus Christ. But now look back at Romans chapter 8. Same book that we're looking at. This is the same Greek word back in Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Speaking about this future glory that's coming up, verse 22, we'll start there. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What a beautiful, what a, what a un, easily understandable picture of the world groaning. The world is groaning in the pains of childbirth until now. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, speaking to the church, the Christians, we ourselves, who have the first fruit of the spirits, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons for the redemption of our bodies. There is a reality that faith in Christ brings you redemption right now, but there's another day of redemption that is yet coming. Redeemed, longing for the redemption. You don't believe me yet, that's okay. Just quickly go back to Ephesians as well. We'll go here faster. Ephesians chapter one. We're looking at this same Greek word for for redemption. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven is on page 1159 of your Bible. 1157 1159, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In him we have, it's a present possession, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Read the whole chapter of Ephesians 1, it's beautiful. But my only point here is to say there is a redemption that is had a present reality through faith in Jesus Christ, there is a redemption that is possessed. But then you go back to chapter 4, verse 30, talking about then how the new life of a Christian, Ephesians is laid out, first three chapters is doctrine, last three chapters are practical application of the doctrine, and then we get to this new life that is found in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, 29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Redemption is a current reality for the Christian in that your sins, by through, faith, through repentance and faith in Christ, your sins are washed away and you are redeemed. You are made right. You are adopted as a son or daughter of God. You are in the family. You are redeemed. And yet, look around us and the world is falling apart. There is yet a coming final day of full redemption. We live, as the theologians talk about it, we live in the already and the not yet. We are the redeemed longing for the redemption. The Holy Spirit seals us there in Ephesians until the day of redemption. Our redemption has been accomplished, and so then we long for the day of redemption. So two points to hammer home here as we finish. Two final points. The first point is that this coming day of redemption is evidently so glorious, so amazing, This coming day of redemption is so glorious that it strengthens those who receive it greatly enough that they lift their heads up in courage when everyone else in the world is cowering away in fear. The day of redemption that Jesus is talking about is a glorious, grand, amazing day of his return that those who long for that day when everything else is falling down around them, the glory of that great day strengthens them to stand up in the midst of everything falling apart. That they know this day of redemption is coming. This is a text with apocalyptic events in mind. 
in mind, even though that's, that's the main point. I, I don't want, and I don't think that there's a difficult circumstance that a child of God can find themselves in that this text doesn't apply to. Rather, we make it until that final day when Christ does come and on the clouds and does come back to this final redemption day. Every day that we live in up until that day is a day of tribulation, of trial. And I would argue that, yes, there, what, what causes the world to faint, the same hope that's going to help the people of God in the day of great trial is the same hope that helps you today in whatever you're going through. That the redeemed have a day of redemption. The day of redemption is drawing near. The day is coming when no matter the suffering and difficulty we have endured in this life, Christ the victor will return. This time he's not going to come riding humbly on a donkey. He's not going to come quietly being born in a manger. He's going to come and everybody's going to know it. No, no denying. Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 17, everybody's going to know Christ has returned. And when the difficulties of life surround us in all of their different possible ways, they are actually reminders. If I could get us to think this way, they're actually reminders. We aren't there yet, but the day is coming. When everything breaks apart, when you get done, when I walk around in 500 circles, it seems like every day <laughs> in the rain <laughs> lately, and I get home, and, and it's, just, it's just another, and you, you're busy with the events of the evening, and you're just done with the day. You're like, what was the point? Of the, the futility of this life, the revolutions. I'm reading Ecclesiastes right now a lot, which isn't helping me. So just around and around and around, and then tragedy comes along, and, and horrible, un, unspeakable terrors come along in this life. They are reminders. We are not there yet, but the day of redemption is coming. The day of redemption is coming. That's my first point I want to make. The second point is this. If present redemption is yours, there is no way you will miss out on that redemption day. If present redemption is yours, you're talking about the already and the not yet. If the redemption of Christ is yours on this day, there is no way you will miss out on that day. Now, if present redemption is not yours, that day is a day of terror. That day will be a day of wrath. That's what's spoken of right here in this text, how the wrath that is coming, and we read it in our Romans passage, Romans chapter 2 from this morning, it will be a day of wrath. If redemption is not yours, if you are not in Christ, the coming of the Son of God will not be a glorious day. It will be a day of terror. It will be a day when the fear of God is not something we postulate and think about. It is a day when the fear of God will be fully realized in that rebel rebellious sinners will be judged on that day. But for the redeemed, that day of redemption, if, if you're redeemed now, there is no way you will miss that day of redemption. Take heart, Christian, as the world falls down around you, as things go wrong, if redemption is yours, if you are one in this place this morning who has repented of your sins, trusted in Christ and his work on the cross, you are redeemed and brought into the family of God, this is a promise from Jesus. Your day of redemption is coming. And the day is coming when Christ and all of his glory will show up and yes, will right every wrong, will wipe away every tear from every face, will establish justice on the earth, and we will be with him forever in the fullness of his joy. That is the promised hope. That is the promised future. And if the redemption to be had in Christ now is yours, there is no way you will miss that. 
Christ has re- if Christ has redeemed you, your redemption day is coming. Lift up your heads. Take courage. Not just pretend like everything is okay, but in the solid reality that your Redeemer, who came to earth to rescue you, will not fail to show up and that his day is near. Let's pray. Father, I ask for help in this place this morning. All of us sitting here with so many different things on our horizon and so many different things going on in our own lives. Our desire, my desire this morning, God, is you would give us a vision of you, of your holiness, of your mercy, of your justice, and of your love for sinners. And that the coming day doesn't have to be a day of wrath. The coming day when Christ returns doesn't have to be a day of wrath. It can be a day of redemption for every one of us in this place this morning, turning from our sins and trusting in you. That coming day will be a day of redemption. Father, as we move to communion, I pray that we would think hard on these things. Are we one of the redeemed? Have we trusted in you? And that God, those who would come forward would do so knowing that it is a statement of God, I trust in your son, my savior. God, do that work in every heart now in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.